With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome, one and all, in here, out there, Mr. and Mr. America and all the ships at sea. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. It has been over a week now, right? Since Republicans ousted Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy in favor of their preferred leader, Madness. (laughs) Yesterday, it seemed, it seemed like the House GOP finally got their act together and nominated Louisiana congressman and man (laughs) in Mars atmosphere without a helmet, Steve Scalise. Huge, huge moment for Scalise for about five minutes when it became clear that he lacks the votes needed to win the gavel. You see, he needs 217 to become speaker. But in the nominating round, he only got 113. I'm no math man. (laughs) That sounds like less. People are losing faith now that Scalise can make up the difference, including the last guy who sucked at the job, Kevin McCarthy. Do you think it's possible that he can get the votes? Possible. It's a big hill, though. He told a lot of people he's going to be at 150, and he wasn't there, so... Great pep talk, coach. (laughs) All right, team, it's halftime. You're down three points, so I want you to dig deep and realize that there's nothing inside. You're all... Filled with the caramel core of loser, and uh, man, am I glad I'm not your coach anymore. Oh, I forgot to mention, I quit. <laughs> Scalise can only afford to lose four votes total, right? Okay, four votes, and right now, at least a dozen Republicans are refusing to ever back him. Some are against him because in 2002, Scalise spoke in an event founded by former Ku Klux Klan leader and current white nationalist David Duke though Scalise later denied knowing that the event was affiliated with neo-Nazis. Ironclad defense. Oh, neo-Nazis. I thought you said no Nazis. I'm sorry, it was hard to hear what those guys were saying through the hoods. One, one uh, never Scaliser is South Carolina Representative Nancy Mace, who went on Jake Tapper's Tappity Tap Time to explain who she would support. I think Jim Jordan is not out of the mix. I've talked to a lot of people who still support him. I've actually talked to Democrats who who trust him at his word. I I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Jim Jordan? Yes, I've talked to Democrats over the last week on who do they trust, even though they wouldn't agree with him on many issues. He is someone... The Jim Jordan from Ohio? I've never seen Jake Tapper that surprised. Jimmy, can you play the rest of that tape? Jim Jordan from Ohio? Oh, yes, the Jim Jordan from Ohio. Now, since since the Republicans evidently cannot settle on someone to bring in for the job, they're considering hiring a temp. And this is true. Reportedly, there was talk in the GOP meeting of putting in a temporary speaker for 90 days to provide more time to figure out a plan. They could even give the temp job to the old guy. 
You can see it all on the sexy new reality show, 90 Day McCarthy. <laughs> to add insults to unpopularity, Steve Scalise is even getting the cold shoulder from New York representative and... <laughs> and airbrush American George Santos. <laughs> Last night, George Santos tweeted, it's just past 9.40 p.m., and I have yet to hear from the speaker-designate, so I've come to the conclusion that my vote doesn't matter to him. I'm now declaring that I'm an anyone but Scalise, and come hell or high water, I won't change my mind. Wow. I haven't seen him this upset since he lost the NBA championship to Michael Jordan in the Toon Squad. <laughs> Earlier this, he played for the Monstars. He played for the Monstars. Dangerous in the paint. Earlier this week, Santos was indicted for credit card fraud and identity theft, and as a result, a group of New York Republicans have moved to expel Santos from the House. Okay. I understand. That may be exciting to you, but if the Republicans kick him out, they will lose the entire Santos caucus. George Santos, Anthony DeVolder, <laughs> Katara Ravash, Batman, and Admiral Ludwig von Sudonim. One New York Republican declared Santos is not fit to serve in the House of Representatives. He's a stain on the institution, adding he is also a stain on our state. Coincidentally, a stain on our state is also the official model of the Port Authority bus terminal. Uh, model. Model. There you go. No, that's all right. Don't. Don't. Please. For his part, Santos told the press he was going nowhere saying, they can try to expel me, but I pity the fools that go ahead and do that and think that's the smartest idea. You pity the fools? First identities, now you're stealing catchphrases? What you talk about, Santos? Hey. Speaking of fools, Donald Trump. He is still out on bail and hitting the trail down in uh, West Palm Beach, uh, Florida, last night. He comforted a troubled world rocked by recent tragedy. This is the worst microphone I think I've ever had. I hope you can hear me back there. Justin, don't pay the bill for this mic. I'm blowing out my voice talking to this stupid mic. This is the worst mic I've ever had. That is the hardest he's been on a mic since Pence. Wow. Wow. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that re- I'm not sure what to make of that. I'm not sure what their reaction was. That was neither approval nor laughter. (laughs) That was like, I'm mad at you that I enjoyed that. (laughs) He complained on. Turn up the mic. Is it okay? And then I don't pay a bill, and they say, Trump doesn't pay his contractors. (laughs) It's unbelievable. It's that rotten, lousy mic. The state of it, but it's not my deal. It's not my deal. I have a good mic. I always have. You don't have a good mic. It's a very difficult deal. You walk out for, for two weeks, you're talking, and you say, what the hell happened to his voice? The state of Israel is a blessing to the world. Our prayers are with them now. That was an abrupt... That was... I don't know. The lighting here is terrible. The deli spread is warm, and they don't have any name-brand soda unless you count RC soda, which I do not. Nana loved life and was taken too soon. 
But then he laser-focused on the Middle East, and it got worse. I read all of Biden's security people. Can you imagine? National defense people. And they said, gee, I hope Hezbollah doesn't attack from the north, because that's the most vulnerable spot. I said, wait a minute. You know, Hezbollah is very smart. They're all very smart. The press doesn't like when they say it. You know, I said that President Xi of China, 1.4 billion people, he controls it with an iron fist. I said, he's a very smart man. They killed me the next day. I said he was smart. What am I going to say? But Hezbollah, they're very smart. Does he know he doesn't have to compliment all the most evil people who have ever lived? <laughs> say what you will, and they hate when I say this. Stalin had great teeth, okay? <laughs> They get mad. They say, oh, why does he say he must have flossed? He was a great flosser, Stalin. What am I going to say? He got right up in the gum line, okay? Very good flosser. Four out of five dentists agree. FDR, gingivitis. <laughs> That's it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't show his gums on TV. So bad he couldn't walk. Trump also had this bold prediction for 2024. When we win next November, it will be an epic political earthquake, the likes of which the world has never seen before. If we don't win, this country is going to be fire hell. Oh, no. <laughs> Not fire hell. <laughs> that's the most famous hell. That's the, that's the brand name hell. <laughs> it's so much worse than Kirkland's signature, heck. <laughs> so let me get this straight. If he wins, epic earthquake. If he loses, fire hell. <laughs> he really does think that he's the alpha and the omega. When I die, everybody dies, okay? <laughs> when I blink, everybody dies for just a little bit, okay? Then they're back. Look, dead, live, dead, alive. You're dead, you're alive. You're dead, you're alive. Dead, live, dead, live, dead, live. And folks, and folks, let me ask you this. Can you believe this microphone? Trump might have a problem when it comes to this election. You see, in several states, including Colorado, Minnesota, Michigan, New Hampshire, Arizona, Florida, and West Virginia, he's facing lawsuits seeking to have him disqualified from the ballot under the 14th Amendment. Obviously. Obviously. Obviously, everyone here knows about the 14th Amendment. For those of you out there who don't know the amendments like we do. The 14th is the one right between the 13th and the 15th. And the 14th Amendment prohibits those who have engaged in insurrection against the United States from holding elected office in what's known as the Insurrection Clause, which is also the title of Tim Allen's worst Christmas movie. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, John Mulaney. Show, you know my guest tonight as a very funny comedian with specials including New in Town, Kid Gorgeous, and his newest one, Baby J. Please welcome back to The Late Show, John Mulaney. Oh, no, we don't have to say I know, I don't I was know. pointing at you. Yeah, I know. Well, I was pointing at you. When a hand is out, you should the audience yeah. like, the, like the beef on a tray. Oh. Hello. 
Hello, um, Stephen. Uh, so, didn't shave, no tie. You've changed. I know. That's all that's this changed. This is not the John Mulaney I remember. No, I'm trying. This is. I thought this would look nice. I saw people wearing no ties around town, and I thought, I'm going to wear no tie on Stephen's show. You look great. Thank you. I'm not you. saying you don't look good. It's just not the look I'm used to. You have more, more formal John Mulaney than I'm used to. Yes, this is yeah. slightly uh, less formal, but still very guarded and formal. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you and I keep in touch uh, casually and occasionally yeah. over texts, you know, Absolutely. as going on, you know, for reasons uh, that we can get into. I, I, have, I have great affection for you. And, uh, but this is the first time we've sat down in person, in the conversation, certainly publicly, since you set yourself on fire and ran into traffic. And that <laughs> does not... That does not generally work out well for people, but you seem you seem great. How are you? I appreciate that. One, it's fun that we both know that that's a Richard Pryor reference, yes. but to those not acquainted with it, you just sounded <laughs> really like hostile, a, like a sick burn on my uh, on my own on exactly. my own journey. Yes. Um, yes. Since I last saw you, I've uh, I've been in a couple drug rehabs. I have been. Uh, this December, sober three years. I, I uh, welcomed a wonderful baby boy into the world uh, with my girlfriend Olivia, and and yet uh, I'm back here. <laughs> and yet, no, it's been a while. You. It's really nice to see it's you. Nice to see you. You texted me sometime uh, when I was going through a lot, and it meant a lot to me because. Uh, I don't mean like I worried what you thought of me as if you wouldn't uh, have compassion for someone in that situation, but your opinion means a lot to me. And when you reached out, it, it was extra special in, in a way. So, uh, well, thank I you. Well, I'm glad. You know, I, 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 think, I think you're uh, very special. Thank you. Um, okay, so the, late, the latest special, which I saw, I saw live at MSG. Yes, you did. Uh, uh, Baby J, it addresses your relapse, your intervention, and your recovery. Um, what is it like for you to, to write this and share it with the world? Not everybody would do that. Um, world sharing wise, uh, that, that actually doesn't, that's the least difficult part about it for me. I kind of don't have a, I have trouble telling maybe three people something personal, but telling like MSG 12,000 people is very comfortable, and that might be a real sickness. Like that, <laughs> genuinely so a, might be a something crowd like to work this on. Might be easier to reveal a secret. Hundred percent. What's your? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well. What's your bank pen number? Oh, okay. It's yes. you'd really like it. That's a hint. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, okay. <laughs> then I'll get into something that you and I share. I almost want to tell you so I could, and then I'd change it, but sure. I won't now. Because this is this isn't live. By the time, I mean, these people probably couldn't get to an ATM because before you told me. No. <laughs> but before you changed it's it. also my Roku password, and I don't mess around with that. <laughs> you and I both have a love for this play called A Man for All Seasons. Yeah, we do. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Matter of fact, in my phone, speaking of secret things you're not supposed to reveal. I have, like, some of my famous friends, I have them under fake names. Oh, like, you do? Like, yeah. Conan is Pale Male. And, uh -huh. <laughs> and Jon Stewart is Doofus. And you are the common man who is a character from the play. Yes, man, he's for the all narrator. And, and when I call you, it says the common man is calling? Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> 
Well, the, 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 one of the things that I like about that play that we've talked about is that it's a play about the self. In other words, is there some part of you that is you from which you can never retreat? That if you, if you gave up that part of yourself, you wouldn't be you anymore. And I think part of yeah. uh, recovery is introspection and examining the self. What did you learn about you in this process? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you mean, what did I learn sort of core? You can at answer my core? it in any way you want. Oh. I am not going to ask it again. Um, <laughs> it was a good question. It was I a remember. really good question. Um, what did I learn about myself? I am uh, a happy person. I set up, I have for some reason set up various obstacles in my own way um, to that, that, that have left me sometimes pretty wrought up, pretty disoriented, and pretty unhappy. Uh, but I am, at my core, a happy person. And it's OK for me to protect that by uh, living the life I want to live. I am very lucky. I have a very good life. And I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the reason that that gets complicated. That makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. It does. yeah. You ha you in it, uh, David Byrne, the great David Byrne, does yeah. the music for uh, Baby J. Yes, he does. I saw you live. I did not see David Byrne there. Is this something he just scored later, or did he yeah. just perform some nights? He scored it later, and he worked with the arranger from one of my favorite solo albums of his, Grown Backwards. Mm. And uh, I emailed him. Um, I just thought, man, I know he's busy. He had the amazing show, Here Lies Love, which is right next door, yeah. open up. Yep. So fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I thought, okay, this is, you know, I'm, he's a very busy man, and he's David Byrne, but I asked him, would you want to, would you possibly consider composing some music for this? And he was game. Was what does great. that do to you? Like, okay, so that's another thing oh, about examining crazy. your life. But like, yeah. when you go like, I mean, I guess I could call David Byrne. I mean, hey, I, I, I don't know, he's not going to, and then he says yes. Yeah. That's a weird part of being, um, well, to achieving a certain level of success in, in your business that you can reach out to other people you, uh, you admire. Yeah. And they say, oh, I'd love to do something with you. How do you take that? I have a hard time with my good luck in that regard. Oh, yeah? How so? You feel unworthy of it? I don't want to bother anybody. <laughs> you don't I mean, want to bother I, I anybody? I suppose unworthy isn't the thing where I don't... I, maybe that is. Maybe it's un, unworthy. Yeah. But I also am very quick to hero worship. Mm-hmm. And so it's not yeah, like I, I suck. It's like, yeah. this is David Byrne. Yeah. Why, why? He doesn't have time. He's got to go be a genius. I have decent self-esteem as well. But I would never think someone would be, uh, would, would um, I would think anyone would have something better to do than talk to me or hang out with me. <laughs> That's less about I think I'm the worst and more just I think, nah, people aren't thinking about me. They have their own lives. They don't want to do this, you know. So I am also, yeah, uh, uh, very reluctant to bother people. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Did that get uh, darker than I meant it to? I don't know. <laughs> No, not, no, no, not at all. Okay. No. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you're bothering me? Yes. Never. Okay. No, I'm always very When excited. I texted you about that Anthony Hopkins movie, I was like, you should check this out. Uh, I and was really nervous. I was like, Steven's got it. He got a man. He got a late show, and <laughs> he's got so much to do. I, I wondered if you'd be like, I like John, but he should, like, you know, it's 10 p.m. Boundaries. Boundaries, yeah. Were you ever, <laughs> were you ever in A Man for All Seasons? No, but boy. 
I, the part I want to play in A Man for All Seasons, and then for people to enjoy this conversation, you need to go pause right here, watch the entire movie, and come back yeah. to the conversation. It's, it's about worth it. this guy, St. Thomas More, who before he was a saint was just Thomas More. And he was Henry VIII's best friend. He was Henry VIII's best friend. Henry VIII um, wants to break away from the Catholic Church to create the... I'm, I'm glossing over a lot of history, but... To get one, his own wife. He wants to get... Uh, he wants to marry Anne Boleyn, and this means he has to break from the Pope. Yes. Uh, uh, Thomas More disagreed with this. Because he was Chancellor of England at the point. He was Chancellor of England. And Henry VIII cut off his head. Now, yes. my dad, if you... <laughs> Thomas More was a great lawyer. That is absolutely how my dad would like to die, is that the king goes, you are a great lawyer, but you're too Catholic, and we need to cut off your head. My dad would be like, oh, no, if that's my legacy. (laughs) Oh, man, I hope not. 100%. Yeah. 100%. The part I want to play, the part I want to play is I want to play the part that I believe it was John Hurt's first part, which was as Richard Rich. Yeah. Who is the one of his like young friends, uh, who is like a hanger on of his, who betrays him yes. to the court. Like, it would be like if I betrayed you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I want to play it because I, 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 I guess I accuse myself. I always want to play parts that kind of accuse myself of the that publicly accuse me of the thing I privately accuse myself of. You think you're like Richard Rich? Well, I accuse myself of weakness. That I think that I actually do not have uh, an ethical core. Is my fear. Oh, yeah, I get that fear. I you mean like if play, it was put to the test? If I wanted to, I wouldn't want to play Thomas More because that would be like, I want to play Thomas More because I'm like Thomas More. Yeah. I identify more with Richard Rich. I mean, I imagine that when Punch's pilot had Christ up there and said, who do I release, Barabbas or Christ? I'd go, release Barabbas. I'm, right. I'm pretty sure I would have done the same thing as You'd the crowd. Along with I would have gone with the crowd. That's my fear. Yeah, I have that fear too. Um, and when you're faced with getting your head chopped off, it would be pretty stressful. I, sure, sure, exactly. But that, that moment, there's that great moment where Margaret, his daughter, comes to him in prison yeah. and says, Dad, just take the oath that the king is the new head of the church and don't yeah. mean it. And he says, when a man takes an oath, he holds himself in his hands by like so much water. Yeah. And if he should open his fingers at that moment, he should lose all hope of ever finding himself again. Some men are incapable of this, but I am loath to think that your father is one of them. Wow, And nice. that, is, that is the thing that I think about all the time, is that could I keep an oath? I, I would, honestly, the, the person I most relate to in that play is Margaret, his daughter, who's like, will you just not? Like, <laughs> like I get it. Yes. You have your principles, but, like, this guy's crazy. He's going to cut off your head, for real. He's that crazy. <laughs> he wants to get married. He wants to slam this woman so much, he's going to break from the pope and cut off your head. Get out of the way. Yeah. I, I really well, relate to her... Uh, and I don't mean to say, like, uh, I think she has a pragmatism that is interesting. And you could see Thomas More as someone who, uh, you know, really wanted to be the best guy. And, and is there well, something selfish about trying to have such a holier-than-thou legacy, I ask you? Have you ever read or seen Murder in the Cathedral by T.S. Eliot? Because that's, no. how Tom, that's about Thomas Beckett. Another Thomas who got his head chopped or killed. Not, he was murdered by the king's men. And nice. that was another Henry who killed him. And he has three temptations about like ways he can get uh, ways he can get out of being um, killed by the king. And then the fourth temptation comes, which he doesn't expect. And the fourth temptation is pride. 
No, you will die, but you'll be a martyr and a saint. And ah, great. Yeah. And that's what, that's sort of what you're talking about. The yeah. pride of being good. Is it possible to be good and not be big about it? Right. That's another thing. When you do something good, do you keep it to yourself because you think it will I got count? a TV show, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is content. All right. Yeah. I try to. Huh? How about you? Do you keep things to yourself? Yeah, if you, you do, do something good? good for someone and you tell other people about it, then it doesn't count. Dissipates. Yeah. It's like, it's like telling people what your birthday wish was. Oh, yeah, you can't do that. No, that's a sacred oath, that birthday wish. Do you have, do you have, any, do you have family birthday traditions? No. No? We have one in my family, and this <laughs> what is, is the it? tradition. It comes from my brother Jay. I'm one of 11 kids, as you know. And my brother Jay used to say, no matter what who it was, the last candle, and we do this in my family now too, the last candle that goes out on the cake. Yeah. You always look to see the last candle, because that's the one you, you, you grab. He goes, oh, take the last candle, um, make a wish, break the candle. While it's lit? No, no, it's the last candle to go out. The last it's candle gone out. to go out. Okay. Take the last candle, make a wish, break it, put the candle under your pillow, and in the morning, you'll have a waxy pillow. That's funny. <laughs> That's very I funny. I never get tired of him making that joke. We My have... children, I believe, do get tired of me making that joke. My son was born the day before Thanksgiving, so Thanksgiving Just, is basically his birthday. Can we, can, we, can we do this right here? Yeah, this is... I, I did. There he is. Yes. Malcolm. Yeah, Malcolm. Turning two next month. He's wearing, um, he's wearing a swim diaper there, which is a wonderful, wonderful product that turns to mush as soon as water touches Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that's his... Uh, he likes to wear baseball hats. I really enjoy that. Uh, he, um, he was born right around Thanksgiving, so we'll always have Thanksgiving. We'll always, you know, have some sort of Thanksgiving tradition for his birthday, but mm -hmm. that'll be the first one in my family. Sure. Yeah. Were you in the middle of a story and I interrupted you by showing the photo, or was that Thanksgiving thing the whole story? Because <laughs> it really felt like you were on your way to more story than that. And that somehow I derailed you, and you went, I'll just go with no, the Thanksgiving that one, thing. No, that one wasn't a winner. That was the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look, you're like, like, do you, I mean, you, you, I know you're on the road, but do you get to spend a lot of time with him? Oh, I roll with Malcolm 24-7. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you love being a dad? Oh, my God, it's the... The greatest. I mean, and he's a fascinating person. Like, no, he's really like. Uh, they are people, and that's what's yeah, strange about it. He's a really, really happy guy, and uh, much we, like you. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know that I can kind of protect him in that way makes me very happy. And uh, he uh, talks all day now. He can string together sentences. Wow. So like, we just walk around during the strike. We would just walk to the donut shop, walk to 7-Eleven to get scratch-off lottery tickets. Uh, he, he walks next to me. He wears a baseball hat, and he talks. The, we talk the whole time. Like, later in the day, sometimes when he's asleep, I'll be talking to Olivia, and I'll be like, who was I talking to earlier about how if we put that there, <laughs> if we put that there, it'll blow away? Uh, oh, yeah, that was Malcolm. Uh, or she'll go, she once went, do you want a grill tonight? And I went, sorry, I was just talking to someone about how the grill is hot, hot, hot. Oh, right, that was Malcolm. <laughs> Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's a very funny guy. Too. What's that feeling? What's that feeling like for you when the first time the baby was put in your arms? Because <laughs> my, my, my reaction was, oh, I've been dumb. You've been dumb? I've been dumb. I thought I knew what love was. Oh, yeah. No, I, I felt that. I, I felt... Um, I, uh, my first thought was, if he's good, I'm good. 
that's all I, like that's all that matters if he's that good that never I'm... goes away yeah we have to take a little bit of a break we'll be right back with more john mulaney everybody We're back with John Mulaney. The new album is Baby J. Um, you've, you've been hanging out uh, at home a lot um, with, with uh, Olivia's mom, I noticed, that you guys, yes. you guys have fun together. Yeah, me and Olivia's mom, Miss Kim, hang out uh, every, <laughs> all day and all night. Um, she first came, when we had the baby, she came to stay with us for a little while, uh, um, along with Olivia's stepdad, and uh, it was amazing. We became like instant friends, and um, we watch one to two Korean period pieces every night. Uh, Korean language films. Yeah, Korean language films. Um, Miss Kim, Olivia's mom, is from Vietnam. Uh, right. But there's a, there's a big wealth of uh, Korean romance stories and historical, peri sure. historical period pieces from the Joseon era when, uh, you know, uh, medieval Japan and China were always invading uh, Korea. Everybody knows that. Yeah, Everybody for sure. Uh, and so we watch a couple a night. Olivia doesn't want to watch these. She's like, you two do your thing. She once found a notepad I had with a list of Korean movies that I had read good things about to watch with Miss Kim. And she wrote, this is more effort than you've put into any of our date nights. <laughs> so, so one night, I'm sitting with the wonderful Miss Kim. We're on the couch together. And we find this uh, Korean film called The Handmaiden. And uh, it's one person reacted, because it's, <laughs> it's serious. OK, set in the early 20th century. Uh, it's about this uh, book collector and this uh, kept woman, and uh, we're watching the film. It's right up our alley. Korea, old-fashioned, perfect. It becomes, Stephen, the most graphic, sexual, erotic, <laughs> the most, like, I was like, truly, like, this is what people mean by erotic. This is like, <laughs> so we're watching this scene, and it's the, the kept woman and this woman that visits her begin a relationship together. So the two of them are, like, I can't on CBS, like, say. Like, they're, they're really, like, it's an intense, uh, erotic, historical <laughs> Korean moment, OK? Is there a fair amount of this? Is there a fair amount no, of this? No, no, that's, that's, that's if, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, spinning plates. I was doing the uh, English overdub of going, folks, there's a lot of intense, erotic <laughs> Korean things. You're on the street bringing people into the theater. Yeah, please, folks, folks the handmaiden. Get in here. A handmaiden. Watch it with your girlfriend's mother. Uh, <laughs> so I look over. There's a very intense, uh, uh, I can't say any more about it. Very intense. They're right against each other. Very serious. Very physical. I look over. Me and Miss Kim are under the same blanket, I realize. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> So oh, no. it's just like that. We're just kind of like. <laughs> and Olivia's mom looks over at me and goes, I think they're a little bit lesbian. What do you think? <laughs> and then, and then there's, there's an oral sex scene that's off the charts. <laughs> Oh, my God. And Is this available on Netflix? Where yeah. are we? I'll, I'll text you like I did please, the Anthony Hopkins please, movie. Please, please, please. Um, and, uh, and, 
I, it's so much that you have to look at each other. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I just look over at her and she's staring at me and she goes, hormone, everybody got them, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good relationship. It's a, a good, good relationship. relationship, yeah. Well, listen, uh, we gotta go. Uh, we gotta go, but before we do, I wanted to give you something, is that uh, I have a gift for you. You do? And I've meant to give this to you for many years, since the first time you were actually here sitting on this uh, couch talking, because uh, I think you mentioned the first time you were on that we actually met when you were a Georgetown undergrad, and yes. I was down there for a Daily Show piece. Yeah, I walked past you. Super yeah, excited. you described yourself as a hungover little gremlin. And <laughs> yeah. And I had gone down there to do a piece on someone who wanted to make uh, St. Gabriel Posenti the patron saint of handguns. Right. And I was, and I, I interviewed the guy who was lobbying the Vatican, and then I went down to talk to a Jesuit at, at Georgetown yes. University. I ran into uh, that day, and then we went our separate ways yeah. until just, you know, until we're sitting so here together. Yeah. But the guy who was trying to get St. Gabriel Posenti to be the patron saint of handguns gave me a, uh, a Gabriel Posenti medal. That day, oh. and since the day you came on that show and reminded me that we'd met that day, I went. I dug this out of my old things, and it's been on my dresser at home. And I keep meaning to mail it to you, oh. so I would like to give it to you tonight. Um, and uh, and just in celebration of you getting your shit together, I would like You're to. You're gonna put it on me. Or like, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Baby J. <laughs> Baby J is available now. John Mulaney, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. 